Have you or a loved one tested positive for COVID-19 during the past five days? Those 18 and over may be eligible to take part in a clinical trial for a possible COVID-19 treatment. There's a clinical trial located nearby, and participation is voluntary. You may stop at any time. Participants will receive study-related care at no cost. To learn more, call 1-855-221-3671. Every time that you think that you can't do something, you're going to get it wrong. What if I told you that professionals really aren't professionals? If this person finds out what I'm up to, why do you want to do this? You're listening to Empowerment and All That podcast, your favorite podcast for women's empowerment hosted by Rita Bautista. It's time to be reminded of the authority of your inner goddess and elevate the power within. Are you ready? You're going to get it wrong. Every time that you think that you can't do something, you're going to get it wrong. In and of itself is the reason why imposter syndrome takes over your life. What if I told you professionals really aren't professionals? And what if I told you that you probably had it more right than most people do? And what if I told you that your imposter syndrome could actually be the biggest fear of a professional at the top of their game? Okay, so let's be honest here. I am one of the biggest people to push through imposter syndrome, but how do I do it? What has been the thing, the catalyst that's always pushed me to continue moving forward regardless of my fear? Well, there's a story behind everything, right? There's a story behind why I feel I don't need to stop. I need to try new things regardless because there's something out there for me. Well, more power to those kids that are born out of the womb, knowing and thinking that they're going to be doctors. And they make it through their lives and they go the 14 years and then the specialties and the, the residencies and all of these things. And they make it and they become a physician and they absolutely love it. Like I love people because they're phenomenal. They really are. They're great. They learn so much and they become people at the end of the day. But what you don't realize is that even with those years of learning and studying and seeing trial after trial of people in front of them, at the end of the day, they call it practicing medicine forever. That doesn't change. Now let's think about why. A physician can look at an environment and a situation over and over again, and for the most part, they'll probably see a good percentage of the population that'll stay the same. But then there are those special cases that change the entire game of something. And at that point, they have no choice but to make an estimated guess. And those estimated guesses can luckily, because of their years of training, turn out to be something pretty good, but there are also opportunities and chances where things don't always turn out so well. What if you was practicing at life? What if you, with all your practice at life, could excel at every single thing you did? And you didn't have to put your heart to it either. You just had to have the conviction to do something, try it, and do it well or at the best of your ability. I'll be the first person to tell you I have tried and failed at thousands of things. I have been 
a lobbyist. And I didn't call myself a lobbyist until I got out of the industry because I myself didn't believe that what I was doing was lobbying. Can you believe that? I sat there and did the job and I still didn't believe that I was doing it because I knew that there were people who were out there that were doing it better than me. But here's the thing. The moment that you allow power in your mind to take over the ability to tell you that you are enough and that you are actually doing that thing that you thought you couldn't do, that's the moment that you become self-debilitating. Don't get me wrong. At some point in our lives, been affected by imposter syndrome. At some point in our lives, someone has felt on the inside that they are lying. And look, we're conditioned and we're trained to know that we shouldn't lie on our resumes. But embellishment isn't wrong. Embellishment, actually truly believing that what you were doing was making an impact, that is not imposter syndrome. That is truth. That is what happened. But you fail to believe that you are enough. You were enough to start. You were enough to try. And even if you failed at it, you still did it. You could be a runner. You can call yourself a runner if you run, even if you shuffle and if you walk. But here's the thing. If you attempted to run and you ran half a mile, you're a runner. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. The fact that you ran half a mile, it proves to you that you're a runner. And therefore, that title is yours to have because who is going to tell you anything less than that? I don't remember the Olympics coming to everybody's house, knocking on their doors and being like, sorry, you can't classify yourself as a runner because we have qualifications that state that you have to be X, Y, and Z to be a runner. And you didn't meet those requirements because your half a mile didn't make it to that 14,000 miles that we need for people to register themselves as runners. That's not the case. And for most things in life, that's just not going to be the case, right? We can actually create things. We can practice these things. And those things, those are the things that help us get through imposter syndrome. So let me share with you a couple of the tools that I've actually used personally that have enhanced my life and helped me stand in the light that I deserve to be in. It wasn't always this way. I think the thing about life is that we all go through a journey. So let me start by saying this. If you still feel imposter syndrome, there is nothing wrong with you. It doesn't matter what age you're in. Doesn't matter what category you're in, doesn't matter what social class or what country or anything. It is one of those global foundational things that we all feel because it's almost like that child inside of us who is trying to prove ourselves to be great to our parents. And therefore, we're always trying to find the authority figure to tell us that we are enough and that we are good enough to consider ourselves good and we are good enough to see that professionals find us and what we're doing great. But I'm here to tell you, you don't need a professional to tell you you're great because the professional is afraid of you knowing that you're better than your imposter syndrome. Because the moment that you break out of your imposter syndrome, you test their professionalism. You test their level of knowledge and their craft because what if you breaking out of imposter syndrome creates a creative new approach to the way that they've been working and living their lives for hundreds of years? And why would you keep that to yourself? Why would you not test the status quo? 
Isn't the status quo meant to be tested? I don't know. Maybe that's why I get myself in trouble so much. (laughs) I've never been afraid of just speaking my mind. And I think, unfortunately, that's just been, fortunately, I should say, instead of unfortunately, it has been the thing that keeps me above water. It's the thing that keeps me guessing, the thing that keeps me wanting more, the thing that keeps me wanting to be bigger and better at the things that I try, even if I fail at them. Because if I don't try, if I don't put my foot forward, if I don't actually attempt that thing, then I'm allowing imposter syndrome to take over. Even if I still have that little voice inside of me that's that little girl that's telling me, oh, mom might not accept this. The professionals in this industry might know that I'm a fake or a fraud. If this person finds out what I'm up to, they're going to not even talk to me because they're going to know who I am from the inside. They're going to know who I've been my whole life and they're going to challenge me and they're going to say that I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. And here's the thing. Those stories inside of your head, they're a lie. And you know why they're a lie? Because they happened two seconds ago. That's not you now in the present. Okay, so let's talk about some tools that I've been utilizing to get past imposter syndrome. First things first, if you want to not feel like an imposter, you cannot hang around the same people who are not in the industry or people who are not pushing themselves to try new things. You have to find new friends. And I'm not saying get rid of your old buddies because they're great. Absolutely love them. But if you want to get to another place in life, You're going to have to find people who have that same mindset that are curious and they want to excel in different industries and different things just like you do. Why do I say that? Because those people have the same mindset that you do. And those people connect to people who have that same mindset. Automatically, when you start connecting in a space of real, of reality, then what happens? Those people start to help you get out of that imposter syndrome phase. How's that possible? How do they help you get out of the imposter syndrome? Well, if you declare something loud enough and you say, I am a storyteller, I am an author, I am an owner of a global podcast network, you say that with confidence, even though nothing has happened yet, nothing has moved, no bricks have been laid, nothing, but you hang around with people who are creative or you network and you meet other people that are creative and you tell them, this is what I want to do, first thing that happens in their creative mind is a light bulb goes out. You know what, John? You know what, Sally? You know what, Linda? I know somebody who can help you with that. And that person connects you to another person who connects you to another person who connects you to another person. And then within two minutes, you're no longer an imposter, but you're the person that comes to the front of their mind when they're thinking about the industry that you're going into. You have now pushed yourself into your forward life, telling them you are an author, you are a podcaster, you are X. This is why sales is so powerful. Nine times out of 10, when a person is in sales, they're selling something that another person can't physically see. They're selling them the future. They're selling them what could be the product that we can bring to the table. And if the product is you, What if your voice and your truth and the person that you believe to be, even though you're not, what if that's the story that you're selling and you tell people, I am an author. Well, let me see your manuscript. I'm working on it. Okay. Do you have a pitch? I can put it together. When do you need it by? So what you do is, is that you're moving in the direction of the future. You're no longer staying in the same place. You're moving forward. 
you're catapulting into the manifestation of that mindset of, I am a professional in this industry because I said, and who needs validation about anything more than you do? No one. You need to validate yourself before you allow others to validate you. You need to believe that you can do this before anyone else can, because if you don't believe it, no one else will. If you don't buy your own personal thoughts and your ideas, no one else will. Okay, Rita, how do I go about believing my ideas? Perfect. You got to connect to your why. Why do you want to do this? But deep dive into yourself. What is your purpose in life? And as much as I used to hate that word, when I tell you guys I hated the word purpose, I wanted to throw up every time I heard it because I wasn't taught to learn what a purpose was. I used to sit down and write stuff for hours trying to think that, oh my gosh, my purpose is just going to come to me because I was forcing it. I was trying so freaking hard to find a purpose. And then what happened? I never found it because I was trying too hard because I was looking for something or I was chasing after something that wasn't there. The first thing that you should do, though, is look around you. Look at the things that inspire you. Look at the things that make you proud of being who you are. The things that you most genuinely connect to. What are those things? What are those things? Because those are the things that are going to differentiate you when you're selling this idea and thought or a change that you want to do at work. Instead of approaching it like every single person under the sun would, approach it like you would genuinely connect to who you are in your core first and use that to your advantage to push the idea forward. People connect to genuineness. If you genuinely woke up at five years old and you wanted to be a doctor, man, that means you're going to be a doctor, right? And when you become a doctor, no one's going to be surprised. They're not going to sit there and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you became a doctor. Oh my God, it's about time. You've been talking about this since you were five, right? Talk about it. Talk about what it is that you want to do, but make sure that you're connecting to yourself. You connect to the inside of yourself, connect to who you are on the inside, and use that to be your voice on how you project that to the world. I'll tell you one thing, and I tell everybody this regularly, I absolutely love this generation. This new generation that's coming up as much as people are like, oh my God, they're this, they're that. And I'm like, no, they're absolutely phenomenal. These people, these young people, they are not afraid to be and connect to who they genuinely are on the inside. When I'm looking at amazing statistics, 95% of the kids in households right now of Latinos speak Spanish. That's a huge percentage. These aren't children that are being born or brought over the border. These are natural born American citizens here. And some of them are second generations. It means we are reconnecting to who we are in our core, but at the same time also utilizing that to project our messages. Powerful and beautiful is that. Reconnect on the inside and allow that to talk for you. The other thing is be vigilant. A lot of times when we have imposter syndrome, again, it's going back to that authority space, right? It's like we want validation from our parents. We want to know that we're doing the right thing. But what if you're doing the right thing but not seeking validation? Because like I mentioned earlier, you could be changing the course of history. And maybe it's not on a global scale, 
Maybe it's something really small. Putting a stop sign up in a street that people drive too fast in and that you've noticed it over and over and over again. And a part of you is like, I'm going to say something to the city council, but I've never spoken in public because I'm afraid that people are going to think that what I say is crazy. Everyone does that. Everyone starts somewhere. Know that. Physically own that. Everyone starts somewhere. We all crawl before we walk. Look, my podcast just got nominated for a Latin podcast award. And when I first started a year ago, my podcast was garbage. It's still growing. And I'm not afraid to admit that. And that's the other thing. Own your vulnerabilities. The more vulnerable and honest you are, the more doors open to you because people are more than happy to are willing to help you learn and understand so that you can get better. But you have to try and believe that what you're doing, it's going to make a change for you and it's going to make a change for everyone else around you. But remember, it's not about validation. It's the fact that the thing that you are wanting to do is going to create some sort of a change. Whether the change is exterior or interior, there's still going to be a change that comes when you step into this light. Now, let me tell you what it feels like when you finally give in and you push past the imposter syndrome and you started to work on something. A few years back, I had started running. I was a horrible athlete, you guys. I was awful. I was really good at shit talking my whole life. That's just that's just how I was. So I was always really smart at knowing the coolest people and the most popular people. So I always either made a team of the most popular, smartest athletes, or um, I just shit talked my way through athletics. But here's the thing, I wanted to run. And who knows, For there's so many reasons, and I've had friends that have told me why I picked up running, but it is what it is. It was a beautiful sport. Um, had my knees not given out and I needed to kind of rest them a bit, I still would be running to this point as long as I could have. But this year, I had a friend that was a marathon runner. He ran, he biked, he did all these things. He was just such an awesome person because he was a pusher. He pushed himself every day. This person still to this day pushes himself every single day to be better. And I said... To myself, I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to run a half marathon. Sorry, not a marathon. I'm going to run a half marathon. So I get my shoes. I plan everything out. I start running. I was terrible, really horrible at it. Um, I was running 11-minute miles, then 10-minute miles, then 8-minute miles. 8-minute miles for someone who's never run before in their lives. And that's with sprinting. Race day comes, and I'm super stoked. I'm like, I'm going to run I had done everything that the professionals, quote unquote, the professionals had told me to do. I I racked up on carbs the night before. Or no, I racked up on carbs up until like about five o'clock the night before. I made sure not to run two days beforehand. I had made sure to break in tennis shoes, new shoes that I had purchased with enough time. I'd put enough miles on them. And I'm like pumped. I'm ready. I have my little gel energy packs. I have my water bottle strapped to my waist. I'm ready, you guys. Like, you can't tell me that I wasn't a runner, okay? When I say I was a runner, I was a runner. I'm at the race line, gunshot. We all start taking off. I know I'm not going to win, um, but <laughs> I get to mile one, and I'm like, oh, my God. Look down at my watch, and it's like eight-minute miles, eight-minute miles. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to finish the race under two hours. This is going to be great. I hit mile two. And I get a shooting pain up my left net leg. Oh, my God. This is it. This is the end. I can't finish. I'm not going to be able to finish. And then and I look up, and there's a picture 
of a child. And each mile marker for this race was another child that had defeated cancer. And I looked up at the picture and I remember looking at this kid like, man, this child went through so much more than I could ever imagine. And if this is the biggest pain I've ever felt, then a child at such a young age can feel more pain. I can get through this. I gave myself a mental mile marker, which was six miles. And I said, if I make it to six miles, I am going to finish this rate. But if I make it to six miles and I'm still in pain, I'm going to call my boyfriend at the time. I'm going to leave. It's fine. It's over. Whatever. I get to mile six and I'm like, I mean, when I tell you like I'm just in excruciating pain, it's hot outside, whatever. And I look to my right and there's like a, a Rite Aid. So I go into the Rite Aid, literally still jockeying around the Rite Aid looking for a brace for my knee. Cause I'm like, okay, if I can at least get a brace, right? I can make it through this race. I can make it through this race. I know I can. I made it to mile six. There's all these kids that are passing up in each mile that have defeated cancer. I can do this too. I know I can. I get into the Rite Aid and the brace was like 13 bucks. And the only thing I had on myself was a $5 bill. Guess what? Couldn't get the brace. Didn't have any cash. You know what? I'm still jogging. My body's still hot. I'm in pain. I'm at mile six. That means I only have another seven and a half miles left. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. I have to. These kids got through cancer. I already gotten this far. I trained so hard. I did everything the professionals told me to do. Everything. Down to foam rolling, which I absolutely hate because it hurts so bad. Did everything that the professionals wanted me to do. And I'm still here and I'm in pain. And I'm like, I cannot not finish this race. So I get back in it. I get back in the game. And at mile 11, I can feel my mind breaking down at this point. I'm just like, oh, I need to stop. I can't do this. Like, I can't physically do this. This isn't me. I'm not this person. I'm not this professional. There's no way in hell I'm going to make it to mile 13. I'm over it. Well, most people in life, I don't know about you guys, but some there's someone that you've heard a similar story from. And this part of the story kind of gives me a little bit of chills. At mile 11, right as I was about to give up, this woman appears out of nowhere. And I'm like literally just exhausted, tired, my feet, my legs, my knees are burning. I am ready to give up. And she appears and she's the same way. She feels just awful, tired, just couldn't make it. And she says, are you okay? And I, no, I'm not. And I said, are you okay? And she's like, no, I'm not. And she said, but I'm glad to know that someone else along the way is not okay either. And she's like, how about we finish this race together? And I was like, I'm ready to give up. And she's like, let's just do this together. And I said, okay. So I keep going. And we talked about the Real Housewives. So there you go, guys. Real Housewives um, save lives regularly and they help you finish marathons. <laughs> But we get down to mile 13, and I don't remember her anymore. All I remember is going around the corner and jumping over the finish line and falling into an absolute ball of tears. And I had my support system that was waiting for me with flowers and just really excited. And I don't really remember much. All I remember is that the pain was gone for that brief moment, and... I cried because I had finished. I cried because I got over the fact that I wasn't a professional runner, or at least in my mind, I didn't think I was. I cried because I knew that I could do anything that I set my mind to. And I cried because there were 13 children along the way, and all of them survived. And thankfully, because I chose to make a difference and run a marathon, that money 
went towards these kids and all of their treatment. You see, when we hold ourselves back in imposter syndrome, we hold ourselves back from the things that we can actually accomplish and the ways that we can actually change the world. I'm not perfect, guys. I don't do this because I'm amazing. I don't talk on a microphone because I just think that I am the best person in the world. I'm the best podcaster in the world because all of that, I don't, I don't think that. What I know, though, is different. I know there are not a lot of women out there that look like me that are doing podcasts like me at this level. I know that what I'm doing is making a difference. And I know that in my life, every single time I chose to push past imposter syndrome, I became a better person. So I challenge you today, as I've been challenging you guys regularly, I challenge you to think about that one thing that's holding you back. I want you to dig deep inside of yourself and find out exactly why, why you're allowing imposter syndrome to keep you back, why you're allowing yourself from achieving the best things that you can in your life, and why you're keeping the rest of the world from the greatness that you have inside of you. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Until the next time, just remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all. Thanks for tuning in to Empowerment and All That podcast with your host, Rita Bautista. Want to help me grow the listener tribe? Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Empowerment and All That. And remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all. We're recruiting for a clinical trial for a possible treatment to help those infected by COVID-19. If you're 18 or over and have tested positive for COVID-19 during the past five days, you may be eligible to participate. There's a clinical trial located nearby, and participation is voluntary. You may stop at any time. Participants will receive study-related care at no cost. To learn more, visit MerckCovidResearch.com. That's M-E-R-C-K COVIDResearch.com.